Well, faster, my good afternoon. Alex sitting in for Andy today. His voice has finally gone, so get well soon, Andy. Now, what shall we talk about? It's open line between now and at one o'clock. Well, lots of things have been raising their head and getting you hot under the collar. There is a petition to reinstate weekly bin collections in Douglas. It's currently standing at 744 signatures. Now, if you don't think that sounds like a lot, bear in mind, I'm looking at it, that is more than any of the votes that the Douglas City Council has got to get their seats. Are they there to push an agenda, or are they there to represent the people who voted for them? Let's talk about that. Also, there does seem to be quite a lot of shenanigans going on regarding uh, Douglas Borough Council. Um, We had the news story yesterday, didn't we, Um, that the council leader was allegedly hacked um, when an email came through, um, purportedly from the email address of the council leader, Claire Wells, um, talking about an emergency meeting. Um, And then it was denied that it came from Claire Wells. And the PR agency for Douglas Borough Council, Isle of Man Advertising, uh, saying that the email account could have been compromised. And uh, then later there was a statement saying Douglas Council emails weren't sent by council leader, but there's no vulnerability in system. But they didn't actually say who had sent the email. So what is going on? Okay, And in terms of the, the bin collection service in Douglas, is this something you feel passionately about? Do you remember... Okay, we were discussing this earlier on um, in the Manx Radio offices that a number of years ago, Douglas Council took out a very controversial publicity campaign where they put big pictures of long tails, RATs, joeys, whatever you'd like to call them, around encouraging people not to drop litter, be more clean, because we wanted to cut down on the amount of uh, infestation and things like that, or the risk of getting uh, long-tail infestation. And people were up in arms because you got off the boat at the sea terminal and the first thing that greeted you was a big billboard um, on the promenade with a picture of a long-tail on it. Okay. Whereas now, it has been confirmed that some public litter bins have been removed as part of this new campaign to get people to cut down on their litter. Is it going to work? Or we're just going to have more litter around Douglas? The Horse Tramway Corridor... The, the green belt that runs along Lock Prom at the moment, always full of litter. OK, I've cycled down there this morning. Yeah, it's not clean. It's not tidy. OK, so the question is, are Douglas City Council digging their heels in just to try and make us be more green? Do you think that's a, a good way to go? OK, because we do need to change our habits. Or do you think they should listen to the electorate more? Well, I'd love to hear your views this morning. Or oh, this afternoon, should I say? 66 13 68 is the number to call me on. Or, of course, you can send me a text, 166-177. Uh, what else are we talking about? Well, HSBC, Ramsey, they're popular, aren't they? Uh, yes, it's been confirmed that um, basically the HSBC branch in Ramsey is going to close Now, this, of course, has um, reignited the argument uh, about the fact that we're all meant to be digital and all connected and all doing things online. And then you you kind of forget that there is a a large swathe of the population that are still not digitally literate. And this comes from top down. It comes from the government in terms of the census. Uh, Do you remember? Census, we had to all do it digitally. And the answer is that instead of helping um, people who are not digitally literate, we tell them they have to be which, of course, creates a huge amount of stress. I know for well, um, I've got an elderly parent who um, is terrified by the idea of trying to work out how technology works. And the the opinion from your, your corporate fat cats almost seems to be tough. 
get on with it. Um, So we're going to be talking about that and also NHS pressures as well. And you've also heard in the news there about um, Isle of Man Energy. Um, it's saying it's working through a backlog of problems because a number of customers have taken to social media to highlight ongoing problems with the gas bills. Okay, And uh, Isle of Man Energy says it believes issues with its new billing system have been fixed despite concerns being highlighted um, by consumers. Now, uh, looking at some of the posts on social media, um, uh, David Henderson said it would appear Manx Gas are at it again. Manx Gas, of course, the former name of Isle of Man Energy. Taking money out of people's accounts without sending any statements or bills. According to the OFT, this is illegal. I would urge people to cancel their direct debit and get them to send a paper bill out to you. So we take back control. Well, that's a very good vote leave statement, isn't it? Take back control. Um, Take back control of payments to them, stopping them taking over the top incorrect amounts um, out when they seem to feel like it. Um, Strong words there. Thank you very much, Um, David. Right. Oh, we've got some texts coming in. Of course, I'd love to chat with you. 66 13 68. Do do get in touch um, and we can talk about anything you want this afternoon. Um, uh, Thank you to Sean, who says, please remind Douglas councillors, those voted in can also be voted out. It's a good point that we do kind of forget that, um, you know, it it is a democratic situation in terms of local authorities as well. Another question I'll I'll raise, it's never one that's really put forward about Douglas, it's put forward about lots of other local authorities, is do we really need them? Should, for a population of this size, for um, what Douglas City Council and many other local authorities do, should it not be all absorbed into a central government? Um, if you look at the size of population. I'm not saying that's something I support. I'm just putting it out there. Um, if they're not representing the views of the electorate, which is what democracy is all about, is it a case that, well, what are they doing? There's a question for you. Um, and uh, here we go. Thank you very much to the texter, uh, Rich in Douglas. If they, I presume you mean Douglas City Council, are removing litter bins as householders are sensibly using them with their overflow waste that they can't fit in their wheelie bins, I'm having to drive to the civic community site with my overflow of waste in my diesel car. Not very green and costing me money. It is a good point. The the other side of this is, Rich, of course, that the idea is we're meant to be reducing our waste. But the question is, if, if you're still getting the same amount of waste from manufacturers in terms of food through supermarkets and packaging and things like this, is it a case that, that the household is almost left in a position where, well, they've still got this waste, they've got to get rid of it, and if you can't get rid of it through the waste disposal system, how do you get rid of it? What, what, what are you meant to do? Increasing on recycling, yes but not everywhere on the island has that much access to recycling. Um, anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, you can text 166-177, or, of course, um, do get in touch on the phone, 66 13 68. Um, let's have a look. Um, Kenneth, hello, Kenneth. Um, hi, Alex. In line with several others, I too have not received the reminder for my car tax, which I have always renewed online. Do you have their phone number? Uh, do you know what? I don't, Ken, but I will look it up for you. Um, Now, that's interesting. I did hear this come up with Andy on uh, the man in line. Um, And uh, there's a message here about car tax as well, saying, I'm not a mathematician, but if there are 60,000 people who hold Manx driving licences, that implies we have a much larger population than we're told. Okay, Um, I'd like to know what you got your facts for on that one. That would be good to know. Um, I did get my reminder for my car tax, okay? It's due the end of this month. I did get it through on the post. Okay. So 
Is this an intermittent problem? I got mine through. I went online yesterday. I paid it. It's all sorted. I'm waiting for a tax disc through. Um, are we at a case also that in the UK you don't have a tax disc anymore? It's all done digitally online. Now, that, of course, counteracts the argument I made before with the problem of HSBC's branch closing. So, hey-ho. Um, let's have a look. Oh, crikey, there's lots of different um, uh, texts coming in here. Uh, thank you very much to um, Manuel. Uh, apparently. I think we should dump all the EV batteries with the same person who is responsible for importing them all. And they're a con and they will cause even more anguish. What happens if it, one goes on fire in a multi-storied car park? It will be a disaster. Okay. Um, uh, and the same text. Um, when electric car batteries go on fire, it takes 28,000 gallons of water to put it out. Four fire engines at least. Um, uh, and uh, it's a big job to extinguish them. Thank you very much. Um, not necessarily fact. I'd like some statements of fact, please, as opposed to your opinion or maybe something you might have read on good old fake news Facebook. Um, but, you know, is that true? 28,000 gallons of water to put out one car? Okay. And, yeah, okay, if a car battery does go on fire, they are they are a danger. I'd imagine an equal amount of danger as if uh, a car with a big tank of petrol goes alight. So, um, yeah, are they a danger? Are they the way forward? Should we be investing in more electric mass transit Something that we don't even seem to dare to uh, raise from uh, raise politically. Um, speaking of which, we haven't even asked you about opinions on some government issues uh, recently. Um, who's this? I was at Marine Drive this morning having my daily run and there were two white vans up there throwing bags of rubbish over the cliff. Once again, illegal fly tipping. Who is monitoring it if this is the case? And more to the point, is this being driven? Uh, is this what, all that's going to happen? Is you're going to have illegal fly tipping because people can't get rid of their rubbish? Okay, it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right, but are, are we driving people that way? Um, uh, Jules, I'm sorry. Why does everyone expect government to do everything for them? Surely you should know when your tax runs out. Takes responsibility, um, says Jules. Um, I agree with you, Jules. Taking responsibility. It's not so much the tax runs out. That if you renew it online, you need a renewal code that they send you. Um, so it might be six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, let's have a look. Dave, it's been a dry summer and the grass is probably dying due to global warming. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> I, I presume Dave is talking about the problem up at the airs. Okay. It might have been a dry summer. I would argue, Dave, that um, when it comes to a dry summer, I think... I think, between you and me, that uh, the weather's made up for it recently. Okay? I think it's been wet enough to allow stuff to grow. Um, I don't expect there to be a hosepipe ban anytime soon. Any of these topics that are getting your goat, it'd be much nicer to talk to you um, in person. One, uh, 66 13 68 is the number to call. Or one double six one double seven. Uh, right. Um, let's look towards HSBC. Uh, because they've um, took the decision uh, as a corporation to uh, change its operations across the Isle of Man and it's been met with fierce opposition. The Global Banking Corporation announced its intention to permanently close the Ramsey branch uh, in this coming March and relocate its Douglas outlet to Strand Street. Manx Radio's Christian Jones has the details. Ramsey Town Commissioners is expressing extreme concern at the proposed closure of the Ramsey HSBC branch. They're worried of the detrimental effects it'll have on the people and businesses within the town and north of the island. Commissioner Leonard Singer believes the bank's alleged commitment to the island is questionable. No, I don't think it's sitting well with most people. Very sudden, 
it's very perturbing that uh, the email that came around from HSBC said, as part of our commitment to the Isle of Man, we've been renewing our banking services and that their commitment is to shut the Ramsey branch. So um, that's not much of a commitment, is it? And the branch is used by many people uh, in Ramsey in the north, senior citizens, businesses, and they'll find it extremely difficult, if not impractical, to use the Douglas branch. And there was no reason given in the email to explain why it was closing, and that the decision, as though the decision seems unjustified. It's totally unreasonable. If they haven't got cars, you know, it takes half an hour or more to get to Douglas in a car. Bus service doesn't serve the north of the island very well. It's very, very uh, unsatisfactory. I don't know how some people are going through the banking. It's very difficult to change your bank. Uh, you know, it can take weeks, if not months, to change a bank account. And again, for people who've been established there for many years, and particularly the elderly people, it's going to be a big strain on them to try and sort all that out. There are a lot of people who don't use digital banking. Uh, and what are those people going to do? The bank has been here so long. It does have a responsibility to the public as well, and they just seem to have pushed that aside. The local authority is calling on the management of HSBC to reverse the decision. A letter has been sent to Ramsey MHK's Alex Allenson and Laurie Hooper, with further support being requested from the chief minister himself. But until then, as it stands, those in the north will either have to move to online banking, commute to Douglas, or find a larger piggy bank. Do you feel that uh, Leonard Singer there's got a point? Okay, especially with a certain age group and a a certain age demographic of which there are a a number of mature people who live in the north and around Ramsey. And the public transport links to Douglas, they're not the best, especially for um, people of a certain age, um, that they'll have to drive. And actually, they're not just being manx about this. It's a case of it is quite a long way to do a trek to Douglas and a trek back just to check your bank account if you're of a certain age as well. Are we just being discriminatory? Are they just being discriminatory against um, older members of society? Um, Do you feel um, that MHK should step in? Okay. What happened to the days of if you've you've got your MHK as a government minister, it would work in your favour? And uh, let's be honest, um, we've got um, uh, in the north of the island, there are three MHKs there that effectively hold four ministries. Um, So it's a case of really should they step in and say, actually... You, you, you deserve to be doing a bit more better service to the north of the island. OK, your opinions, I'd love to hear them. 66, 13, 68. And Julian is on uh, line one. Julian, good afternoon. Hi, Alex. Uh, nice to hear your voice. And uh, I hope that um, Andy's mellifluous tones uh, return in uh, short order. I hope he's doing all right. Yes, sir. We wish him all the best. So, uh, Julian, um, Happy New Year anyway. What would you like to talk about? Happy New Year to you. Uh, yeah, I was um, driving through um, Dolby, or Dorby, whichever you like to say, and uh, Glen May, and I noticed the signs are up for the um, the avian influenza protection zone, um, which I think came in a little while ago after reports of the odd um, goose or whatever um, expiring. Um, but it's reminded me of a couple of research papers and also an interesting story that uh, was on recently. Now, the story uh, was titled... The push to control America's exploding geese population, with the population explosion in just the eastern half of the state to 11 million individuals. Um, Each of the individuals tested had acquired natural immunity to the avian flu, a situation particularly bad in Michigan, where geese have literally invaded city parks, golf courses, private gardens and cemeteries. Um, And it's so large that um, the government has... Uh, got hold of Chris Compton, who is known as the Goose Guy, and he owns a company called Goose Busters. 
um, and they help to rid the areas of uh, geese using non-harmful techniques with his team of border collies. Um, but it um, is interesting that the, the geese seem to have attained natural immunity and become rather sort of prolific in the area. Um, and that kind of leads me on to a couple of research papers to do with, uh, well, I'll tell you the first one. Um, it's from um, Guelph University in Ontario. Um, and anybody that's into poultry farming might want to have a look at this one. Um, it's called Centennial Review, Effects of Vitamins A, D, E and C on Chicken Immune Systems, which is a slightly strange paper. Um, but it appears that like humans, chickens become deficient in vitamin D, which is the activator for the other vitamins, mm -hmm. at our high latitudes, where in the wintertime the sun gets too low for us to make vitamin D from our skin. Um, <clears throat> the paper's findings can be summed up, and I'll quote from it, Sufficiency in these vitamins contributes significantly to enhancing antimicrobial defenses, reduction of inflammation, and enhancement of antibody-mediated immune responses. So it looks like it might be that the um, poultry might get a bit low on vitamin D in the wintertime, and there are feeds available. I think there are things, things called FeedX and Poultry Booster. But they did say that the dosing to get the blood levels up to what they think would be sufficient to fight off most infections, probably a bit higher than what's recommended, which is a bit like what we have with uh, an RDA recommended daily allowance of 400 IUs, whereas in actual fact, the endocrine society thinks we should be on 4,000 IUs a day or more if you're a bit bigger because it's you know volume dependent and also your personal um, absorbency. So what are you taking away from this, Julian? Are you suggesting that in terms of dealing with avian flu, if that they get a natural immunity, we're going to be overrun and it's actually almost a bit of natural selection that keeps numbers down? Or are you suggesting that actually we almost should start medicating birds with vitamin D every day? Yeah, basically. Um, How would you do that practically in the wild? I can understand poultry farmers and things like this if if they were going to start issuing supplements, you know, like we, we all do maybe with our breakfast and multivitamins, but how would you combat it in the wild where it spreads? Uh, because they've got a massive problem with too many healthy geese in Canada. So it's obviously not a problem. And geese are not constrained by factory-produced, possibly less than optimised vitamins in the pellets that are given to, to chickens, that's the standard stuff, because geese roam around, they can eat whatever they like. Um, so they're probably getting more vitamin D from the actual natural surroundings rather than being constrained either in cages or in a, in a field somewhere. So it may well be that their natural diet is imbuing them with all the good stuff, whereas the, the factory ones might need a bit of help. Okay. I mean, the same, there's another study which looks at farmed salmon as compared to wild Pacific salmon, and they found there was like 15 times more vitamin D in the Pacific wild salmon than there was in the farmed stuff, and it's primarily because the farmed stuff just gets the pellets and they don't think to put you know, high levels of vitamin D in to give them that. Okay. Well, um, th it, it's an interesting um, view on it, uh, Julian, especially if you've done your research there. Uh, let's see if anyone else has got an opinion. If anyone is maybe uh, a farmer who's got poultry um, would like to respond to that, yeah, I'd love to hear from them on 66 yeah, uh, 1368. The, the, the very quick one on the second one, on. um, Joint Veterinary Met um, Medicine University in Tatori in Japan, they actually inoculated, in other words, they just gave a bunch of poultry, the um, pathogenic avian flu, mm -hmm. 
Some did pass away, but what they found was after seven to ten days, they had permanent immunity. And what they found in the wild was that the more mature the bird, the less likely it was that it would succumb to the avian flu and it would just get over it because it had had a more um, mature immune system that had been, you know, because you're older, you tend to acquire more immunity to other things and the similarities between them give you at least a heads up and allow you to make, you know, do a pitch battle against what you've got, which you might not have come across before necessarily. So it makes me wonder how long do we need to actually lock them down and stop our egg production? Because in theory, if they do get it, they get over it. Um, but you give them a fighting chance if you, I mean, perhaps the um, chief veterinary officer might do a random blood test of a few of the poultry and see how their blood levels of vitamin D and A, C and D and E are doing just to see if uh, if they're optimised. Well, before I move on, because I've got uh, another couple of callers, one question for you, sure. Julian. Do you think then that the one aspect you haven't covered there is possibly they're being more um, cautious um, in terms of avian flu is that, yeah, the birds might get over it, but are they worried about possibly um, it mutating and uh, getting into the human food chain? Well, it would have happened before, wouldn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, if you look on certain people, think there's too many humans in the world. And so, you know, we've been all right, haven't we? So it would have happened in the past, wouldn't it? I mean, no, why all of a sudden now? And what we notice is that with factory-produced food, you, you might suggest that it may just be that our immune systems are a bit more depleted now. You know, we were sort of making inroads 150 years ago with better sanitation, better water quality, um, better living conditions less pollution now than there's ever been. I mean, 1952 was it? The smog killed 10,000 in London. We never see that anymore. So we have made inroads in that way. But it may just be that the food production system now is becoming more and more depleted. I mean, they reckon that the food that you bought in the 40s and 50s was far more nutritious than what we get now. Mm. So maybe that's something that we need to look at as to how things are produced. So, you know, um, all this mutation thing, it's like a a war of attrition. You've got to have a good immune system to fight the new stuff anyway. So, you know, we, we need to shore up our own defences as much as anything, I would say. Brilliant. Thank you, Julian. Keep taking your multivitamins. I, I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for your call. Guys. Cheers. Take Cheers. care. Julian, there were some interesting uh, um, views there on uh, avian flu. Um, now, Martin's been waiting uh, patiently. Good afternoon, Martin. Uh, hey, you want to talk about HSBC? Yes, um, I may, well, just wanted to make a comment that... Um, uh, having a banking license on the Isle of Man is a privilege, not a, not a right. Ah. And when the uh, regulators issue a license, they normally have certain requirements that they can impose. And our, uh, we have our own regulators, which can actually impose certain certain conditions. Um, and the, the the one big thing that comes into into play is that the Isle of Man government does issue a deposit protection scheme and backs that with its own money in the event of a failure of any bank on the island. Now, um, I think that the regulators could actually impose additional requirements on banks, either to have a certain basic service, um, which may be that they, you know, there is at least one bank that is operating in, you know, in certain areas. It may, it may be limited just to three areas of the Isle of Man, for instance. But um, and the banks can agree amongst themselves which which bank would offer that full full service in that area. It, and because, I mean, inevitably, the banks are seeming to draw all of their all their business back into Douglas, um, unfortunately. Um, now, you know, the, so, I mean, I just think there is pressure that the government can, 
can give through the deposit protection scheme and say, well, why should we back your bank uh, and uh, your deposits if you don't actually provide a full, a full reasonable service? And the regulators can actually be the people who then put that in, in as a condition of their banking license. That, that's just my thought process. And I, mean, I speak as a, uh, as a banker, a, a former banker, and somebody who is actually a former banker of a major UK bank in, in the UK. So um, I, th- I you know, just think there are, there, are, there are pressure points which um, executives in the banks would, would respond to, I think. I'm not saying that HSBC would back out. But I, and I suspect it would end up by just being one bank, it may be uh, Alman Bank, HSBC, Barclays, or whomever, where the, where maybe the only only bank in a particular area in the end. But uh, that's, that's just a thought process as to where the pressure points could, could be placed. Do you feel, Martin, I remember having a discussion, um, I think it was with uh, Chris Thomas regarding planning and housing, I might be wrong there, um, on the man in line a few months back, when it came to... Uh, effectively, government having the backbone to stand up to uh, these people. As you say there, they've got the regulator, but has the regulator got any teeth? Do you think they'll actually stand up to it? Or do you think it's a case of a conversational will go on along the lines of the fact that, well, this is what the business demands? Yeah, well, and... I, I speak at somebody 40 years ago um, where I first came to the Isle of Man and I actually was responsible for, in, in the government, just, um, as an executive of the, of the, in the uh, civil service to actually set up the Alamanx uh, Financial Supervision Commission. Right. Uh, and uh, certainly, um, you know, there are ways in which you can use the, the uh, banking license. In those days, for instance, we would never give a banking license to anybody who didn't offer a full service, uh, complete service. Now, that has gradually changed for all sorts of reasons, and there are different, there are different types of banking licenses which are used. So it's... Um, um, I, um, certainly, government has has a bit the ability to open a good converse, a sensible conversa- conversation. I mean, it's a conversation, by the way, that is similar in the UK, where the UK government, you know, has um, had to bail out, you know, banks to for billions of billions of pounds, and then uh, under its deposit protection scheme. And because uh, it's actually had to buy that H- RBS or a, a very big shareholding in that, etc., to back it, and and then say, well, hang on, you know, there is a price to pay, um, you know, to, to make sure that you that that you, that you actually can't, you can't have a free lunch on the, on this. It's, no. isn't it? it's not, there are obligations. That's all I'm saying is that if you if you want to uh, be a bank on the Isle of Man. Uh, and you want a full uh, full uh, service license, you know, the, uh, um, amongst you, you must agree uh, that there is um, at least a reasonable service available locally for, for at least one. Now, it's a, it's a pressure which is in the UK as well, where they're trying to retain this in villages and, and, and small towns, etc., and they're gradually banks are withdrawing those. And, and people are still finding it di- difficult to... It, to maintain that pressure, but we've only got a very few banks who are what you call full-service banks on the island, and I, and I think there is a reasonable conversation getting them all round the table and saying, well, this, if this is the direction you're going, what are you going to be left with? Martin, just a quick one before we go, that um, in terms of the banking licence, which government department is responsible for that and uh, yeah. effectively negotiating? Is it, is it Treasury? That will be well. It'll be the um, financial regulator who issues the issues the license, okay. and and then supervises its compliance with its regulations. 
I'm um, you know, so that's it's better to ask that question of the of the uh, chief executive of the of the regulator. Okay. But and undoubtedly, they, I mean, they actually have this. I know the uh, the old days of the bank of uh, the Bank of England and the nods and winks. But there are there are reasonable discussions that people can have around the table, and you know, executives can be re- can be reasonable um, as long as it's. A, but they also have shareholders. Now, there's a balance of the interests between the shareholder. And um, you know, and the uh, you know their the public duty to uh, yep. uh, to 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 customers. It's a difficult balance. It's a balance that you know, frankly, generations or, uh, by generation, that people have to take. Okay, Martin, thank you very much for your call there. A lovely to hear from you, especially from uh, an insider's point of view. Not so much an insider, but someone who's got background in that area of the industry. Uh, right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be chatting to... The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com the world's leading carbon register and validation ecosystem. It's 25 to 1. Alex sitting in for Andy this afternoon. Lovely to have you along. Thanks very much for tuning in. Um, loads of your texts coming in. I'll try and get to some of those very shortly. Um, uh, quite a few comments about the, um, the, the the bin collections in Douglas and Douglas City Council in general. Um, interestingly enough, of course, this um, news story that seems to be developing and ongoing regarding the email that wasn't an email and it appeared they'd been hacked but they hadn't been hacked. It's um, you'll find details on manxradio.com. Um, but uh, our news team were doing a bit of digging. Douglas Borough Council, or Douglas City Council, um, pays Isle of Man Advertising to do their PR services, um, at the contract which began in uh, February 2022. It's ongoing. Douglas Borough Council pay um, £37,440 every two years for that service, so that works out at 18720 per annum. However, that figure doesn't constitute um, to extras to which they must pay additional fees. And between February and July 2022, the council incurred extras. A total of £18,107.28p had been paid to the company. However, not all that sum is due directly to the contract. A substantial portion relates to um, other work for which additional charges are due. Now, Manx Radio News calculated the extras between this period to be £11,876. Uh, now, Douglas Borough Council, or Douglas City Council, refused to break down the figure. However, they did tell us that the extras are for preparation of publicity material and campaigns relating to the council alteration of refuse collection methods, which needs to be carefully managed publicity through conventional and social media. Um, so make of that what you will. £11,876 for preparation of publicity material and campaigns relating to the council's alteration of refuse collection materials. Um, uh, interestingly um, enough, thank you very much for a number of your texts. Oh, and uh, an area that I always am passionate about. John says, Alex, we still have not heard from Mr Thomas to confirm a full railway show- service timetable. When is this available? Yeah, this year is meant to be year of the railways here in the Isle of Man. 150 years of the steam railway, 130 years of the Manx Electric Railway, a huge tourism opportunity. Anyone seen any marketing for it? Do you think people are booking their holidays to come to the Isle of Man based off no marketing? Your questions are very valid, John. If we had the answer, I'm sure we'd let you know. Uh, now, Eddie's on the line. He's been waiting patiently. Thank you, Eddie. Good afternoon. Yes, how patiently, yep. Yeah. Um, it's in reply to somebody who came on your show yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, Barbara Brereton, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seemed to be... I, wasn't, I missed a very early part of it, but I think what she was saying, that she is no longer on the board of the Southern Swimming Pool. Right. 
whether or not she said she's no longer on the board or she'd resigned or whatever, I don't know. But she was definitely saying something about she's not there. Um, she also, in that thing, mentioned somebody called Eddie that keeps getting on the radio. That's right. myself. And she seemed to indicate that uh, members of the public shouldn't have any say whatsoever if they're unhappy with the way things have been done. Um, you would need a two-hour show, <laughs> again, uh, to indicate and point out all the things that the, the general public in Castletown think that have been done wrong. But one of the first things I wanted to point out is the fact that um, she said that she had bent over backwards uh, and the board had bent over backwards to try and keep the pool open and running smoothly. Um, and that she had come in to the board at a late date uh, and thrown in at the deep end. Well, the truth of the matter is that she's been on and off that board for donkey years. So that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a fib. Um, the the uh, the board itself is is the, the 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 biggest problem of all in everybody's eyes. It's the board who have totally ignored everything which has been put towards it from the staff, the manager. I mean, I could list. Well, I will list quite a few of them. Well, Eddie, no, before I'm, you I'm, b before you do, because um, I'm sure people are fascinated by the detail, but we've only got 20 minutes. Um, in terms of your representation, you say they're everybody. Who do you represent? Who are these views? And when you say that, when when you when you're talking about the way the board has behaved, where have you got this information from? Is it publicly available? Right. Well, first of all, um, Andy, um, I always say the same thing to Andy. When, when I am out talking to people, people say, you don't mind getting on the radio, Eddie. I can't. I can't do that sort of thing. So it's anecdotal evidence is what you're talking about, yeah? So I speak on behalf of the public. But also, uh, if, if I said to you, five of members of my own family mm -hmm. have been involved with the pool and myself, voluntary. So What was your involvement, have, Eddie? My, mine was voluntary. If, if ever they wanted, like, uh, guinea pigs for uh, t testing the lifesaver, I would pretend oh, I was right. in difficulty in the water. So it's, it's, not actually, it's not actually at a management level? You haven't had access to the accounts and the management and the strategy and stuff like that? Well, well if you allow me to finish, the, yep. the next thing uh, I want to say is that members of my family are and have been lifeguards there, mm -hmm. staff in the cafe, so on, so on. Five members all together, right? Um, like I say, you could have a two-hour show. Uh, um, some of the points I wanted to make was unfair dismissals. I mean, they, they, they'd done away with the cafe, right, which was the only part that made money, mm -hmm. and somehow they seemed to have wangled figures to say it's not making money now. But it, it went from £31,000 one year to nothing the next year. Don't The, the public, again who I speak for, don't understand how you can go with no alterations whatsoever to staff or whatever you eat. How can you lose £31,000 over the course of one year? Uh, the other thing is they decided to close the cafe. The only part that makes money, they decide to close. Now then, they, they do away with the jobs of that staff there. But that staff didn't just do the cafe... They also did the reception. Well, now it's gone into reverse, of course. What happens now 
is members of staff who are paid twice as much, like lifeguards and administration, have to do reception. Can I just ask you, Eddie, you contradicted yourself there. You said that the cafe lost money and then you told me that they closed the cafe because it was the only thing that made money. Um, which, which is it? Because surely if it is losing money, that would be an area that you'd expect them to responsibly um, uh, actually cut back on. Now, what I said, Alex, was all of a sudden, from the cafe being the only part that made money, mm-hmm. the administration all of a sudden told us one year, which was about a year ago, that all of a sudden it's making a loss. Now, we can't believe that. How can it go from making a profit to making a loss? Of thirty thousand pounds, so we don't. Nobody out here believes that, and we we can't get the figures. Uh, we've been told that you can get them from the government, but that what what we do find is that they've added all sorts of other things in. <clears throat> One of the things which you think we think that they've put in, and, they, and nobody's been on to ask. You know, you know, they asked for this inquiry quite a while ago, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Into into swimming pools in the Alaman. Well, it's taken that long. That there's probably a dozen questions been asked in between. One of them um, is that Julie Edge, is it, at the MHK, uh, her kids go to Balakameen School. Now, we found out that last summer uh, there was thousands and thousands of pounds spent on refurbishment there. And yet, every time staff and management at the Southern Pool ask for any money for uh, help, they get refused by the board, right? Or the government board, whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, you have a, a guy on called Julian comes on. He's very good with figures. Yep, he's been on before. He, yep. uh, yeah, that's right. Well, he, he actually broke it down into how much had been spent on all the different pools. Uh, some of them have had half a million, quarter of a million, so on. Um, Balakameen's just had money spent on it, but the question was asked how much, and it's still not been answered. But Julian actually gave you a figure of how much has been spent on the Southern Pool for over eight years, £19,000. Right? So one of the other things that everybody is moaning about is we've had £19,000 spent on the pool for necessary upkeep and so on, and yet all of a sudden Juliet can spend £50,000 on an inquiry which we don't need, uh, Surely, I have to stop you there, Eddie, because we, we, we can go on this for hours and you're reeling off figures um, and things like this. But um, if you've said that she spent money on an inquiry we don't need, you've just told us all the reasons that there needs to be an inquiry into the operation of the swimming pool. Surely you can't have it both ways, Eddie. Well, I'm not asking for it both ways. What, what I'm saying is a taxpayer is a ratepayer and everything else. Mm. We all have asked right from the minute go, why do you need an inquiry? But she still went ahead with it. Well, I'll tell you what, Eddie, 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 you stay on the line because um, I have actually got Julie Edge who wants to respond to Eddie. Um, uh, Julie, good afternoon. Afternoon, Alex. Um, yeah, would you like to respond to Eddie's co- comments there about uh, the Southern Swing Pool and the uh, the inquiry? I'd like to respond with regards to his accusation that I have children at Balakameen High School mm-hmm. and his also perceived representation that I have chosen to spend money at Balakameen Pool. His facts are clearly very, very wrong. You need to be careful what he states. And I'm happy to meet Eddie at any time, as I've said with everybody with regards to the Southern Pool report. The majority of things he's talking about are the local authority-run boards, not 
um, the department obviously is responsible for devolving money down to the boards and that's the whole purpose of government requesting a full independent review of the, the whole of the swimming pool structures on the island and that will be presented to Tim in January. Um, in terms of, and thank you for making that clarification, in terms of um, Eddie's gripes, which I can tell are numerous and many in terms of the, the southern swimming pool there, um, do you feel then that if Eddie feels the need to ring the man in line on a regular basis, it's lovely to be able to air people's views on a platform, but we have no power in terms of driving change. Do you feel that there is some kind of blockage in the fact that he and others he claims to speak for don't feel anything's getting done? Um, uh, certainly, I've never ever stated that I won't meet with any of them. I've always, offered, my door is open to meet with them. Obviously, through the pool port board, um, the company that the independent company, which I think was the right way to go, because can you imagine if the department would have done it itself, and um, what what we would have been dealing with? But um, the independent company has spoken to all the boards and gathered the facts from all of the boards. So, and that's how they've been able to produce the report. The boards are run by local authority members, not um, by my officers. So, um, you know, but I am, and, and we did. That offer went out from the independent consultant to meet and speak with anybody that has had involvement in the tools as far as I'm aware. So, and um, I, I understand um, Eddie commented with regards to Barbara. Brereton being on yesterday as, as the chair of the board and um, I think she said that uh, most people needed to declare their conflicts so I'm just clearing up I have no conflict with children at Balakamune High School and Balakamune Pool. Thank you and you've made it public there I can go back to Eddie now and say that you are willing to, to meet with him to discuss um, his numerous and varied concerns regarding the Southern Pool. Um, well, obviously, this is going to debate in Tim Ward now. Um, Eddie obviously has his MHKs that can represent him, him there. But in, fair, in fairness, Miss Edge, you did just say live on air that you, yeah. your door is always open. Would you meet with Eddie to discuss yeah. his concerns? I, I would I would definitely meet with Eddie. I don't know who Eddie is, but please <laughs> ask him to drop me an email and um, I'll make arrangements that I will sit with Eddie and listen to his concerns because um, that is the role and that's the democratic process on the Isle of Man. We should listen to everybody. However, as I've said, this is an independent report, mm-hmm. and um, obviously the people that did the report have gathered all the information. Brilliant. Thank you very much but for I'm calling in. to meet with Eddie to clear up any of his concerns. Brilliant. Thank you, uh, Julie. That's uh, Julie Edge there, um, of course, who is the minister. So, um, Eddie, you've heard from Julie there. Um, I yeah, recommend you give her an email. Yeah, well, I was going to ask her right there and then if she could give me the answer to two questions. One was how much was spent at Balakamine. I'm not suggesting that there's any nepotism or anything. For her to suggest that I'm suggesting that is silly, really. All I want is answers to questions that the people are asking. Well, Eddie, I'll tell you now. I'm going to cut you off there, Eddie. Um, You've been given the opportunity now. Um, Julie Edge has said, drop her an email. Drop Julie Edge an email, meet with her, and then report back to us and let us know um, if you get the answers that you're looking for. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com. 
helping Isle of Man companies and citizens to understand net zero targets and the green future. Uh, we're running out of time on the man in line. Uh, Alex, um, it says here, can you please tell Douglas Borough Council that their campaign to reduce waste is not working? We live in Douglas. Out of about 30 households around where we live, there's only approximately five households who recycle. There is zero effort made by a large number of households together with zero ev- effort in education by Douglas Borough Council. I regularly pick up rubbish whilst walking about, but there are no bins to put it in as Douglas Borough Council has removed them. So this means that people are now going to drop more rubbish. The only way to get to this sort is by education on recycling by Douglas Borough Council and fines for households who make zero effort. In the meantime, we need to reinstate the weekly bin collection, put the public waste bins back, says Hillary. That's interesting, isn't it? Because the Isle of Man, I've said this before, the Isle of Man does seem to have a reverse culture. You know, we've got um, the hospital having to put out messages on social media begging for nurses um, because we haven't got a, a um, enough to actually run the hospital yet we're saying, oh, 100,000 people, come and live here. Okay, you know, um, if you come, we will build it. So it's a case of, well, shut off all your bins and then we will educate you. We we do have a very backward mentality like that a lot of times. Um, So thank you very much for your text on that one. Um, G says, uh, Eddie and five of his family have been heavily involved in the Southern Swim Pool, which obviously colours his views. Uh, Well, as you say, Eddie, I've uh, now said to... uh, Sorry, G, I've now said to Eddie, um, he can speak to Julie Edge and we will hear back from him to see if he gets the answers um, that he's looking for. And um, what else have we got? Quite a few texts coming in. Thank you very much for your text. A lot about the, uh, the banking problems. Um, Ian says, I believe major banking problem is that high street banks don't want to operate directly with the public anymore. They just want us to do everything online and that this isn't popular with uh, certain members of the population, me included. Okay, thank you very much, Ian, for that one. Um, And uh, straight back to the lines uh, quickly, um, I've got uh, Steve, who's on, wants to talk about Isle of Man Energy. Hello, Steve. How are you doing, Alex? You okay, boss? I'm not so bad, mate. How are you? Cool, living the dream. <laughs> Very quickly, I'll just fast forward. I know you've got to get off the radio, so I'll just go really quick. Move to your property. What know what I want? You know what I know what I'm spending. So you get your smart meter from you know the MEA. I call them the MEA. Still get your smart meter on your phone. Put your power on. Great. You know where you're going with it. You can see your you know you can see yourself uh, spending the money. Mm-hmm. Well, gas meter. You turn the gas on. You're sitting there, and all of a sudden you get a bill. How much? Gee, that's this that's bit rich. So you think, oh well, meter's been read. Right, you pay your bill. Uh, then you think, you know, the people will go to check the meter read and then they find it hasn't been read because they've increased it by, you know, as that guy wrote on uh, Facebook, 220% increase because by the meter reading, they just you know, estimate what your meter reading is going to be. How many people just send the money over? Never question it. How much money have they had that not entitled to? How many people end up paying a bill that's never, ever been questioned because they just take it as gospel? Well, I've got a meter reading in front of me. Must be right. And then you go and think, well, the ones that you do read your meter, you ring up and say, can I just can clarify my how much I owe you? Yes, give us your meter reading. So you give them a meter reading and they say, ah, I'll have to ring you back. Do they ever ring you back? No. Uh, so you've got to keep ringing up. By the time you ring them up, your next bill's due. And the thing is, what an out-of-date, backward system they run. How can they expect to see you put your gas boiler on and you have no idea what you're spending? You haven't got a clue. Oh, it's um, so much per unit. What's a unit? What do we get for a unit? Do we get 10 minutes of heating in the house? Do we get half an hour of heating in the house? You go and put petrol in the car 
you stick your nozzle in the car and please the trigger, you know, pull the trigger and think, I wonder what I'm spending. What's that going to cost me? Go into the woman and say, how much does that fuel cost me? Oh, you spent £91 there, Mr. You know, whatever, you know, filling your van up. Oh, thank you. You know, you, you can see what you're spending when you pull the trigger. It's a good well, point. It, it's a very good point, Steve. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to cut you off. But um, and yeah. basically what you're saying is that uh, the world of smart meters actually might help you out in terms yeah. of gas usage. You should move forward and get us a system we can all use. Correct, Alex, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Thank you very much, Steve, for your call there. And thank you, everybody, this afternoon. It's been great having a chat with you. We've covered a lot of topics there, in and out all over the place. I'm sure they will rumble on. Who will be in this chair on Monday? Who knows? Could be me. Could be Beth. Could be Andy. We'll see. Have a wonderful Friday afternoon and a wonderful weekend. Speak to you soon. Ta-da.